another Rags to Riches Secrets. Uh, today, what we're going to go through, this is the three secrets to know if you should go all in on your business idea. It's kind of a big deal because you've seen lots of people go and start a business. And as they get going down that, down that direction, they discover that their business idea actually wasn't that good. And then they crash and burn. And you might be saying, how do I know what business opportunity should I pursue? Because if I pursue this one, it will change absolutely everything for me. Therefore, I will lean in, nail it, crush it, and I will be able to be successful. And so what I'm going to break down today is the three secrets that you've got to identify or discover to be able to know if you've got a business opportunity that is actually worth pursuing. And so this is, this is a little bit hard-earned. Um, it's you've got you could spend a great deal of time thinking that you've got something in the right right area and then you could discover that you suck there was a there was a guy he actually had a he was like really business savvy he knew how to do all kinds of stuff and as he started leaning into his business all of a sudden he discovered he actually was not making any money therefore instead of actually moving forward in life just sat there and spun and spun and spun his wheels and you're going to see people doing this all the time, making these simple, stupid mistakes that could have been avoided had they known these three little secrets I'm going to break for you. Um, let me give you an example, okay? So on this very first one, the very first secret is, the question is, is your market growing? Like if your market is contracting, then you'll never ever, it will be very difficult. In fact, most likely you will be going nowhere. Like so if you're, if you can't, if you like, let me give you an example. So if you've got, like the, the one I just previously mentioned, what, what this guy had done is he wanted to be able to sell more newspaper subscriptions and more selling this service to more businesses to be able to take into gross business. But if you pause and you think about it, newspapers are contracting and shrinking year over year over year. So no matter how good he really was, he's actually fighting an uphill battle because it's not... The market is shrinking. It's the, the business model has shifted. In fact, like trying to sell like phone books and stuff. Remember when everybody used to have a phone book? I mean, good luck trying to peddle phone books and throw it on people's doorsteps now because not likely are they going to do it. They can Google search and find everything that you provided in the phone book. In fact, like newspapers and stuff, their business model was actually transitioning to online, which which is what made it complicated for him to be able to take and to peddle the, some of the services he's got. Now, that's not to say the newspapers are dead. What it is saying is that market has shown that it has been contracting and shrinking. And if you if you lean into it, you're probably going to discover you're going to be hating it. Now, you could have, if you're trying to find the ideal market, like if you were trying to sell hot dogs, like what would be the number one thing that if you could get this right, like it would change everything? Now you might be thinking, um, maybe I could have a, like a sausage or smoked, like a, a really different type of broad or this or that. The answer is the only thing that you really would have needed in that market is just to have like a game just broke out. You got a total starving crowd. Everybody's hungry and you don't even have to have good hot dogs. But because you're right then and there at a hungry crowd, you will sell out. You see what I mean? You've got a starving audience for your thing. Therefore, you're going to sell out even if you don't have a great business plan, even if you don't have great hot dogs, even if there's a whole bunch of even ifs. But you can see right there 
that there's a starving crowd. Do you remember when COVID hit and everybody was like willing to pay stupid amounts of money for toilet paper? Like that was a starving crowd. If you had put uh, on Facebook and said, hey, everybody, I've got I've got uh, 800 rolls of toilet paper and I'm going to sell them for five bucks a pop. Why don't you just come on by, pick them up and I'll sell them to you. What you're going to discover is, is there would be a whole lot of people coming by and buying your toilet paper because it was a starving market. Now, you got to pause and ask yourself, like, is the market I'm in, is it actually in the process of dying? And, and if, you're, if it is, then you might say, well, I probably ought to try something different because a, a good strategy and all kinds of great stuff is not going to work good in a, great, in a crappy market. Or, like, not everybody's going to find the hot dogs to sell to the starving crowd or toilet paper to sell during COVID. See what I'm saying? And so the market matters. It has to at least be, it has to at least be stable and preferably growing so that it's like when you're swimming in from the ocean and you got a tide smacking you in the back, it can help give you a little bit of momentum to get you up on shore. So that's secret number one. Pause, look at your market. Is it growing? If it's growing and it's <laughs> if it's growing and it's doing things that are right. Okay, good on you. All right, secret number two. Secret number two, you've got to ask yourself, are people already making profits in this market? Are they profitable? Like if you look at a market and you discover that nobody's making any money and there's no winners in it, nah, now you got to pause for a second, right? Why would you want to be in a market that actually has no profits? And so you're, you're going to pause for a second and say, does this, does this market actually have profits? Because if it does, then you say, okay, now I've got a market that is not only is sustainable or at least growing, but there are actually all-stars in the market that actually can go out and make money and crush it. One, one uh, example I saw was uh, my friend Russell Brunson. He was doing, he was selling these um, neuropathy supplements. Uh, what it is, is it's, I don't think it's necessarily painkiller. But when you when you've got like your body is is in a state of some sort of pain and you're and you've got to find ways that you can get relief and he was selling these these supplements for neuropathy I don't I don't completely understand the neuropathy business so dig into it if you really want to understand it but what he did is he before he actually went out and he actually started figuring out how to sell this product um, what he did is he he calls it funnel hacking and. What he he just went and started going through other people's it's their websites their funnels whatever it is you call it their website and uh, when he refers to a funnel as page one that you go to when you see it and then page two page three page four till finally you get to a thank you page where you've checked out and you've purchased your stuff and that's his funnel and what he wanted to know is is before I get into it are there people actually in this what in this space that are actually making money. And if they are, let me go look at their, their business plan. Let me go look at their profit, their, their, their models. Let me go look at the things just to verify that there's actually, in fact, money in the space, right? Um, an example is you might, you might say, hey, you know what? During a recession, there's all kinds of people that are, that are desperate. Um, so there's a lot of need for somebody to learn how to, to interview well. Um, how to like how to put together a really killer resume that would get a shut up and take my money like job opportunities, right? 
Like that could be in a recession, that could be a tremendous market. But then you've got to ask yourself, are a bunch of people who do not have jobs likely to pay to purchase that service? Now, I'm not saying that the market, that they weren't hungry. I'm not saying that because you know that they would be hungry in that marketplace. What I am saying is in that marketplace, do the people actually have the ability to pay? And if you go in there and you look around, you're like, ah, holy crap, nothing's working in here. Nobody's getting paid. Like it could be hotter than a pistol, but if there's no money in it, like move on. And so that's what he would do is he would, he would peel back the onion, look inside somebody's business, see if there's actually money there. And if there's actually money in the marketplace, then he knows that there, there is a way or a path or a methodology in which he could step into it and actually win. And so that's, that's like some onions that you'd want to peel back, right? So that secret number two, so let's bump, let's bump back so that you catch them all. So secret number one is, is the market at least, at least steady and preferably is the market growing? If it doesn't meet that threshold, move on. Okay, secret number two is, are there people that are already profitable in the business? And what part of what you're doing is, is I've, I've heard uh, Stephen J. Larson, he would refer to this as, he said that the reason he would want to know that there's, some, there's people that are profitable in the market, what, what happens is, is when, when a marketplace gets, there's a whole bunch, in, like scenario one and scenario two, when there's a whole bunch of people that have discovered that there's a swimming hole or there's a, there's a book called Red Ocean, Blue Ocean. And if you go listen to the book, it refers to a red ocean is like there's a whole bunch of sharks in the water and there's a bunch of fish and they're eating the sharks till the, till the water becomes bloody red. But what you're looking for is a blue ocean where you're the only shark in the water that can, that can feed on that particular fish. And so the very first step is, is you're asking yourself, is there, so to speak, a red ocean in the sense that there's people inside this marketplace, there's enough fish in the water so that we could actually eat. But then from there, what we're going to do is we're going to do a step off of that and figure out how can I take a niche down in that particular space so that I can create a blue ocean. I want to create my own niche where I'm not in a market of a bunch of sharks. I want to be in a market of the single provider. And so that goes into secret number three, is you've got to figure out how you could make such an offer, an irresistible offer, that would make people feel dumb not to give you their money. You see what I'm saying? And you say, well, Mike, like, of course I want a market where people would feel stupid for not giving me my money. So how do I take and identify that? Or what would I do that I could create that would allow that to take place? And I would say that is a marvelous question. You've got to figure out how to niche down into your marketplace so that you can actually bring this uh, additional value that, that could be pulled out of the marketplace. So part of, part of the, part of maybe the easiest way, let me show you my solar stuff. You've already, you've already heard about my solar stuff, but it, I'm trying to figure out, I want to show you the methodology so that you could see it and you could understand it. And then once you see it and understand it, then you can figure out how to implement it. Okay, so there's, there's a terminology called the smoking gun. If you've never heard of a smoking gun, it's, it, it pretty much is what it sounds like. 
if if so, if a murder was to be committed and you could tell that it was committed by a gun, you'd look at which gun is smoking, and that would be a pretty solid indication that that is where that's the thing that perpetrated the thing. There's a smoking gun. When I was in the military, uh, not the military, but I was working in the defense contracting space, we would always look for the smoking gun. And so let me peel this back. Let me show you the smoking gun. If if I'm looking at, I went and I pulled the historical data so that I could see new housing starts and new construction and stuff that's going on. And what I'm doing is I'm going to help you through these three secrets, see the framework in which I'm referring to. Um, and I'll help you see the smoking gun that I see. So if I look at historical new home construction, and if you're paying attention, have you noticed how many homes are getting built? It's getting built at an enormous clip. Like it's ridiculous at how fast and how many houses are actually getting built. In fact, let me see if I can pull my laptop around so that you can see this particular slide. Because as you see it, you're going to understand what's happening. Let me put it into... Uh, all right, never mind. I have no idea how to get it into presentation mode. Um, all right, never mind. I'll just, let me just describe it. Do you guys remember what happened back in 2000 and 2006? Remember how all, there was homes that were being built everywhere, just bam, 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 houses, new housing starts, new construction projects going on like through the roof, absolutely insane and ridiculous. And as they were taking and they were hitting, there was so many homes that it literally created in the market space a point. Just went, it's kind of like the tip of an arrow. Like the market's down here at say like, um, say around like say uh, 50 or 40, right? Uh, and they're talking about, I think hundreds of thousands of home starts. Um, and so that you're sitting down somewhere around uh, like historically maybe like 40,000 home or houses being started. Um, and then what happened is, is it absolutely spiked up to 106. And when it hit that high point and it looked like the tip of a spear, all of a sudden the marketplace, it broke. Everything broke. And all of a sudden just a landslide cleared, cleared down. And you're going to see on the backside of that was just, it was a collapse in the real estate market. It was the collapse in the construction business. Like no homes were getting built. Everything was shut down. And you're like, holy crap, this whole thing died. Well, it died and then it kind of tapered out around 2000. It hit kind of rock bottom 2013. And then come 2014, it actually started trickling up. Now you might be saying, Mike, where are we at right now? Well, I'm glad you asked. Housing has got so hot, hotter than a pistol, that it has done the exact same thing. We are at the exact same number of new housing starts that we were back in 2006 where the where the world fell apart. The thing that is different is that before it was there was a little bit of a gradual incline up to it. Now it's like almost straight up to it. And the question is is on the backside is it going to is it going to collapse? So the first thing is the smoking gun. In the construction space, I can see that historically, when it hit a high like this, there was a massive pullback and a massive collapse. Um, one of the things that were leading up to it is home prices became astronomically stupid, overly priced. And if you pull back and you look at it now, are homes not in the exact same situation they are today? So I look at it and I'm like, dude, there's a smoking gun. 
there is, there is a significant possibility that there is going to be a pullback. And you might say, Mike, what is the catalyst? What is the thing that could cause or help trigger this? And if you've noticed, have you noticed how inflation has gotten stupid crazy? It's gotten ridiculous, right? So much that the Fed is like, holy crap, we've got to figure out how to bring inflation underway. So we've got to figure out how to tap the brakes and to slow things down because inflation is just getting away from us. So they're talking about three rate hikes. Now, if you say, what is it that helped create the catalyst for the housing to go to, to, to blow up? Well, interest rates were at, have been at historically low, low, low rates. I thought 2006 was low. This has been lower than 2006. Well, now what we've got is we've got crazy amounts of inflation. So the Fed is, Fed is saying, hey, we've got to tap the brakes. But what happens when you tap the brakes on, on uh, like housing and prices? Like all the developers are buying land at way over prices. Therefore, they have to sell the houses at even higher prices. And the way they get away with it is because people look at their payment and discover if it's affordable or not based on the payment. But if the interest rate changes in that fulcrum and the price is still high, but the interest rate changes, it shoves people out of the ability to buy those assets, which could have a very strong tapering effect. So smoking gun, all-time high, catalyst that could cause this to change. The piece is coming into play. Boom, they're going to raise interest rates. And so that next thing I said is which markets inside the United States are at highest probability of getting crushed because they have experienced stupid amounts of growth in both prices and just the number of houses getting built. This brings me back to my own stomping ground right here in Utah, Salt Lake City, 2020, the, the 2022 projection, and this is based off historical data, is Year-over-year year increase, year-over-year uh, year sales growth, 15.2%. Wow. So then this says, how much has the average price gone year-over-year year in just Utah? And you know that the houses have been going up exponentially. It's 8.5%. So collectively, houses in Utah, when I take the two growth uh, numbers, put them together, 23.7% growth sitting right there in our little happy valley and Salt Lake City. That, that's, that's a lot. So if there's all these contractors, they're out there slaying it, working, 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 grinding it out, pumping it out at ever, ever higher prices on homes, and the market pulls back so that people that could have bought the stuff based on the lower interest rate can no longer buy it. There is a very good chance that contractors in Salt Lake City, Utah, are going to experience an amazing, an enormous amount of pain. Pain be could, could become bloody in the streets. See what I'm saying? The next one is Boise, Idaho. Boise, Utah was 23.7%. Combined uh, sell, number of sales taking place, the growth rate of sales plus the, the price of the individual homes was 23.7. Boise, Idaho is coming in at 20.8. The next one down is Spokane, Washington at 20.5. Then you can go to... Uh, you can slide over to Indianapolis at 20.3, Columbus, Ohio, 20%. Come over here to Providence, Massachusetts, 17.6. You see what I'm saying? There, I've got a list of, of markets that have been hotter than a pistol, 
And you know that there's guys in the market, guys and gals in the market working who will discover one day they don't have, actually have work. So then you say, okay, if I look at, that's a smoking gun. Because my avatar, my avatar is I'm interested in identifying contractors that can come and work and do the stuff that I'm doing. And the reason I, in part, the reason I pick these guys is one, they actually have money right here, right now. Their pockets are flush. The, the problem they're going to be facing here quickly is if the market pulls back, there's going to be a whole bunch of guys standing around with nothing to do because they no longer have customers that are rushing in to buy their stuff. That's where I come in and I say, hey, I've got a solar franchise. Therefore, come and be involved and talk with me. So then you have the question is, is, all right, what's the smoking gun in my solar space that would either tell me that the market is at least the same or it's growing exponentially? You see what I'm saying? The question is, is it growing or what is happening in my marketplace that would suggest to you or suggest to me that I am in sitting inside a hotter than a pistol opportunity? So I look at it. The, the big thing, one of the big, huge catalysts is there's green policies inside the United States. They're put in place because they believe that we are, we, uh, we're causing climate change. Now, if you come right here to my Happy Valley, Utah, we're sitting in the worst air quality in the entire nation. We're frequently number one. It's a cesspool. People here are breathing air that is so toxic that it is literally reducing the lifespan of their, of their life. You get up like where I live up in the hills and you look down in the valley, you think you're looking at a lake. That is not a lake. That is smog and pollution and a cesspool that people are sitting in and breathing. And it is across the entire United States. So green policies have been put into place. And if you look at the forecast, they're coming in here and they're showing the forecast that every single year projected out through 2030, solar is going to grow exponentially. And the, one of the big catalysts is, is there's green policies already in place. There are triggers, events, things that have already been transpiring that is causing this to take place. That's the smoking gun. The next smoking gun that's telling me that this market is poised and hotter than a pistol to grow. Not only is it forecasted out based on policy, have you noticed what's transpiring in the electric vehicle industry? The electric vehicle industry is absolutely exploding. It is shifting, it's transitioning, and it's moving, and it is moving at an amazing clip. Like, what do I mean? Take, for example, Tesla Motors. Tesla Motors is valued at like $600 billion. Okay, Tesla is really not that old of a company sitting at a $600 billion market evaluation. Um, if you go look at Ford, or let's look, at, let's look at GM. GM, been around for 100 years, right? Been around forever. What's its market valuation? It's like $86 billion. What? $86 billion? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You got Tesla at $600. Then you've got GM that's been around forever, like at $86 billion. And then if you go and you look at Ford, certainly Ford has got to be a beast in this space, coming in at $50 billion. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Tesla is valued at that much more than what uh, GM and Ford. You could take GM and Ford plus probably another four or five different automakers only to reach the market cap of Tesla by itself. 
The marketplace is shifted and the amount of cars on the road year over year has been growing at exponential rates. Not little rates, massive rates. In fact, as of this year right here in California, it is hitting the tipping point, the tipping point in which more people will be procuring electric vehicles this year alone more people will be procuring electric vehicles than they procured of gas-powered vehicles. The entire industry is changing. The, these vehicles are powered by electricity. They're, the demand for electricity isn't just going up a little. It is exploding. What's happening in the marketplace is there has been, there's been massive infrastructure and all kinds of stuff and resources put into play that would allow that would allow people to buy gas-powered vehicles. And the fuel source is shifting. And now we've got to figure out how to solve the problem by providing electricity. Massive shift in the marketplace. They show by 2028, the United States collectively will have reached the tipping point in which more electric vehicles will be sold every single year than in what is being what has what was being sold of uh, gas-powered vehicles. Um, how do you know that these forecasts are in alignment? Because every single major car manufacturer has declared that they will no longer be manufacturing gas-powered vehicles. And they didn't just say it. They have been putting their money where their mouth is. Okay, so I look at the smoking gun. The smoking gun tells me that how people, the amount of electricity people need has shifted. The amount of things that people are plugging in are shifted. What I do know is there has been a massive buildup of homes inside the United States. Those homes, like even if, the, even if new construction starts, do not take off and continue to grow. There is so much inventory that can be used up by the, by, in the solar space to put solar up on rooftops that we have an abundance of customers sitting out there. It makes no difference if new construction stops because once people get connected into electricity, those homes will continue to use electricity into the foreseeable future. There is no stop in the amount. In fact, the only thing that's going to change in the future is the amount of electricity people will use because there was a time when the only thing electricity was for was like your refrigerator, okay? or your, your, your freezer. Then it shifted to take, take and capture your air conditioning unit. But if you stop and you ask yourself, what has shifted? I now have a dishwasher. I now have a dryer. I now have a washing machine, okay? I have this. Most people seem to have a, a coffee thing. to make coffee, right? Okay, a coffee maker. Then you start going into all the other appliances that they have. Now they've got TVs, now they got VCRs, now they got Apple TVs. Now they got podcast studios, right? The, the amount of things coming online, consume more, more electricity has not slowed, it's grown exponentially. Because then all of a sudden you had iPhones, then all of a sudden you had laptops, then all of a sudden you had uh, MacBooks, then all of a sudden, I mean, you pick it. Like, and now we're introducing the electric, or the electric vehicle is coming in with a load of thunder, coming in like hungry for electricity. So the market, like the solar space and what I do is not shrinking. It is growing exponentially. Okay, are you seeing how these 
these three secrets that I've shared with you so far, do you see how they're coming into play? It's easier if I can show you a marketplace in which these things are taking place. It helps if you can identify a catalyst that's going to step in and that's going to cause things in this world to change. So let's go back to this electric vehicle. Let me show you the catalyst and some real life money that's transpiring right here, right now that is causing this sucker to grab massive momentum. BMW, they have pledged and they are already investing $6.5 billion. That's how deep they're going into the electric vehicle and batteries. In fact, they're, they're kind of a peanut compared to some of these guys. Look at Ford. Ford. I told you Ford is valued at about $50 billion. Ford is already investing between now and 2025. They've already put, to, put into play $22 billion investments into electric vehicles. By 50, by almost 50% of their if that company's market value is going full on, full head, pledged solidly into electric vehicles. They came out with the uh, the Ford Lightning, the F-150 Ford Lightning. Snap, they had so much demand that they were like, their, their eyeballs were swimming. And they are going in hardcore because the marketplace has responded to that vehicle. And so they've got $22 billion pledged. General Motors. $35 billion going into EV vehicles. You go into Hyundai and Kia, they've got $7.4 billion going in. You go to Jaguar, Land Rover, $3.5 billion. If you go into just brand spanking new platforms, new platforms that have not like uh, like Rydian, right? Um, you recognize that name. That's, that, that's the one that's uh, tied to um, uh, Jeff Bezos through and Amazon, $47 billion going into that one, okay? These are EV vehicles. Nissan, those guys are a little bit behind, man. They're only pounding in 1.3 billion bucks. They better get some more money because, like, the market is shifting. Um, there's a European manufacturer right here. Not really familiar with this brand, but 35.5 billion bucks is getting plowed into it. This is, this is money that's going to be expanded before 2025, and they have already got deep, deep, deep into it. Volkswagen, $86 billion being plowed into electric vehicles. You see what I'm talking about? There's a catalyst. There's momentum. There is stuff transpiring in the marketplace that is forcing, that is literally forcing the, the, the demand for electricity to grow absolutely exponentially. And so if you take and you pause for just a second, you're like, okay, Mike, give me, give me a little bit of historical data. Show me how things have adjusted or shifted or transpired over time. If you go back to 2010 and you look at all, we're looking at all new available power sources coming onto the market. And the question is, is of 100% of all the power came in, what is the mix? We step into this. Back in 2010, only 4% of the power coming online was actually solar. Solar was like a pipsqueak, okay? See what I'm talking about? Now, wind, wind was bigger. It had 24%. But then we had natural gas coming in at 36%. Then we had coal-fired plants coming in at 33%. And then everything, <coughs> excuse me, everything else was 4%. So solar was almost absolutely non-existent, sitting at 4% in 2010. Well, let's see what happened. 2011, solar went from 4% to 8%. 2012, it went from 8% to 9%. Oh, 
of all new electricity coming online. 2012 to 2013, 26% of all power coming online was solar. Skip a few years, 2016. So we went from 26% in 2013 to 2016, 40% of all power coming online was solar. To where you skipped to last year, 2020, 2021. Let's look at the, this Pareto and Makedown. 54% of all power in the United States that came online was solar. 54%, more than half of all electricity that's being put into the marketplace and being generated today is solar. 35% of that, or 35% of the power coming online was wind. 10% went to natural gas. Coal, virtually zero. Other, virtually zero. Solar is absolutely dominating as the major player coming online to provide electricity. That is catalyst. That is momentum. That's what, when I say find a market that's growing, this is what I'm talking about. Like, and, and as, I, as I mentioned, you don't have to have a market that's necessarily growing. But if you can identify one that's growing, then you know you've got a tailwind that will smack you in the butt and make your little plane go faster. I remember doing that. I remember being on a plane and we were, God, we were way late in the takeoff. And the pilot's like, hey, we're going to be on time. We may have left a half hour late, but don't worry about it. We're making up all that time because we got us a strong tailwind that's pushing us forward. And we're going to arrive at our destination on time. That's what I'm talking about. Tailwinds, get, they get you places faster than you would in a dying market or a flat market. Okay? So historical data, I've already shown you to you. Solar is growing exponentially. Everything in the marketplace is changing. So the forecast shows that it's shifting. Now you start looking around the United States. You're like, where is solar growing? You can see that California, California, there's 30,000 plus homes that have got solar on it. That's, that's a lot, but that's not enough homes in like just California alone. In fact, California has made a, a mandate that every house two years or newer is required to have solar on it. Let's slide over here to Utah, my, my stomping ground, right? They, they estimate between 1,500 to 15,000 homes have solar on it, okay? Last time I checked, there was a lot more than that. There was, they, we probably added more than 15, we probably added 15,000 homes just last year, the way we're building out here. You, talk, you see what I'm talking about? The amount of inventory available is, exp, is like, it's massive. It's, it's massive, the amount of homes available put solar on it. And you're seeing a trend across the entire United States that this is growing. It's growing exponentially. And so you take uh, Texas right now. Texas is the number one state in the United States as far as solar is growing. California had been slaying it for a long time. It's just Texas got hotter. They got more momentum. Texas is uh, number one. California is number two state in the nation. Number three, Florida. Number four, Virginia. Number five coming in at Indiana. Utah has historically been a hot market, and we are a hot market. We're selling solar, and we're putting solar up on houses like crazy. And as much solar as you're seeing going into our stomping ground in here in Utah, and you can see it, we are number 16 on the pecking order of marketplaces where solar is going in, like, is going in as quickly. Utah's number 16. That's nuts. We used to be number 7, and we were, like, hot. Okay? A lot of the major solar companies had originated from Utah. 
So what I'm showing you here, I'm showing you, I'm showing you this data, and I'll show you part in where the market's also shifting. The, the, the grid inside the United States, and I've mentioned this, the grid is actually very fragile. When, it, when, this thing or, when this sucker was designed, it was designed 50 years ago. It was only, I mean, it was designed 70 years ago. It was only designed to last 50 years, but it's 70 years old. It's 20 years past its prime. What we are seeing, historical grid failures at higher rates than we've ever seen in, across the entire United States. The U.S. Department of Energy, they estimate it's going to take $7 trillion to upgrade the grid. That is pre-COVID numbers. Like wire used to be, say, 60 bucks a roll is now 180 bucks a roll. It went up 3x. That's how they transmit power from a, manu a, a power plant to your house. That They transmit it and they use the wires. Those wires have gone up 3x. Seven trillion is not enough. So if the national debt is coming in like, say, almost 30 trillion bucks or whatever right now, 20 something, whatever it is, it's huge. Okay, add seven trillion onto it, and we just didn't grew it by another like thirty percent just to fix the grid. And so the big shift, the big shift that's taking place right now is consumers are saying, "How do I protect myself? I want to be protected by introducing batteries into the equation." And so they're putting these in. This is a part of the market that's growing. So if you're like, "Hey, Mike, like what business could I be in?" Well, I tell you what, batteries are growing. You say, hey, Mike, are you in that market? Well, heck yeah. I install batteries on houses. I got four batteries on my house right here, right now, because I want to be ready. Like, people are going to suffer. People are going to discover as we're going full bore into electricity that there's going to be a whirlwind and people are going to reap a whole lot of pain because the demand for electricity is exceeding the supply of electricity coming online. You see what I'm saying? And then you say, what's the void or what's going to close the gap? Well, you as the consumer, or me as the consumer, can choose for ourselves to solve our own problem by introducing solar into the equation and then introducing batteries. So there's my catalyst. That's, what, that's, that's the secret. So then you say, well, Mike, okay, so I see it's growing. So what's your strategy? My strategy is to franchise, to be able to take what I've done, my success, the tools, the training, the strategies, and to package it into what we said secret number three was, is an irresistible offer. Nobody in my marketplace is actually going out into the market and saying, hey, contractors, you're about ready to get skinned alive because your marketplace is about ready to die. New homes, new home construction is in danger. I can't predict 100% that your business is gonna die. What I can tell you is, is that we have been building houses at such a clip that historically it is it is off the rails and we are primed for a spanking. And there is a better than average chance with the interest rates going up, you're going to get crushed. And so my, my point is, is, hey, contractors, like you afraid you're about ready to get killed in your business? Come over to my side of the equation. Let's talk about a franchise so I can start helping you. So that's where secret number three comes into play where it says, okay, what is the irresistible offer that you could offer to your customer that would get them in the game. Now, on this irresistible offer, you've got to remember the magic is making this offer so good that nobody could say no to your offer. It has to be like, oh my word, I wish I had, shut up and take my money now. Okay, 
So let me give you an example. Unfortunately, this is my friends. I went, I went and I looked at his website, okay? He's in the roofing business. And I went and looked at his website, trying to see, because he does franchising too. And see, tell me, do a little, do a little uh, think about this and tell me if this is an irresistible offer, okay? What it says is, hey, uh, person, contractor, whatever, we, we want to work with you, okay? Um, so why don't you come and slide on into our business? And what it's going to do is it's going to cost you, you're going to have to pay us a $50,000 franchise fee, okay? Um, and, and we're going to, we need that all up front. So you're going to have to write me a check for $50,000. So go get yourself a loan or whatever, bring 50 grand to the table, okay? All right, so number two, um, you as a roofer are going to need some assets in play so that you can figure out, like you need a van. You need a van and you need some you need a van, you need tools or a, a vehicle to get you to and from your location. So what you need to plan on at least another $15,000 investment. So you got your 50, now you got your 15. So we need you to have $65,000 at your fingertips, okay? Okay, number three. Here's what number three is, is we need you to be able to get yourself some tools. So tools for our business, you gotta plan on at least another 2,000 bucks. Okay. Here's my offer so far, $50,000, you're gonna to have to come up and pay me right up front. You're gonna need a $15,000 van, you're up to 65,000 bucks, plus you need to get another $2,000 worth of tools, so you're at $67,000. You're like, great, am I ready for business? No, you do not actually have a team, you do not have staff. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna help you get teams and staff. So you've gone out here and you've pumped out 67,000 bucks, and now you're ready to start trying to hire staff and a team and to bring them to the table so that they can start working with you, okay? By the way, you still haven't made any money yet because you haven't sold the thing, but you've spent a crap ton of money getting to this point. You see what I'm saying? So that's, what, that's what's happened already. Okay, so now, now we got to figure out you're going to have to go buy all your materials. You're going to have to do all this. you got to buy your materials. you got to go back. We'll give you the access to our whatever our store is. That, and you can go buy materials on our account and get a discount. Okay, are you ready to are you ready to play? Okay, here's what I heard. You're telling me I've got to come to the table with a hundred plus thousand dollars because not only did I have to spend the sixty-seven thousand dollars, but now I've got to go get I've got to hire all my people. I've got to do this and this and this and this before I actually ever make a single dime. I haven't made a dime. I haven't made a nickel. I haven't made anything. I'm like, sheesh, boy, that like. That's, that's not feeling good at all. That, like, whoa, whoa. You're telling me to take 120000 or whatever, $160,000 loan so that I can get into this game? Okay, that's the offer. Now, there's roofers in the marketplace, okay? Every roofer that wants to start out prop, there's a good chance that they might have something like this that they're going to have to figure out how to, to bolt down and get into play, Okay. So now I came over here and I said, okay, what is, what is my irresistible offer? And what I, the, the big thing is, is remember an irresistible offer has to have the, uh, the, the ability to cause somebody to say, shut up, take my money. Okay, shut up and take my money. If the offer is not good enough that somebody says, shut up and take my money, you do not have an irresistible offer. If you make it so painful for somebody to say yes, then they've already said no. You got the the idea is to close the gaps. Like if I say start a business, 
you're going to have inside your head, you're going to go, I've got a gap. I don't know how to get my, I don't know how to get my license. I've got a gap. I don't know how to get my contractors. I've got a gap. I don't know how to fund this thing. I've got a gap. I don't know how to, you see, you see what I'm saying? You're going to go into this do loop of figuring out or not knowing how to close your gap to allow you to move forward. The objective of an irresistible offer is that you anticipate, catch this, you anticipate the next problem somebody's going to encounter and then solve the problem so that they don't have to suffer through it. You've got to close the gaps, right? You've got to close the gaps. Like if you get a baby here, like, all right, so two people have a baby. Okay, cool. We've got a baby. Now what? Now you need a crib, right? Now, now you got, now you need diapers and you need wipes. And not only that, like you need baby clothes and you need food. You need a baby bottle. You know, you probably, <laughs> next problem, you're probably going to need some toys, right? You're probably going to need some sort of noisemaker to cancel out the sound at night. You know, what, what we're doing here is since we know that somebody had a baby, we're thinking, how do we close all of the gaps or how do we close the gaps so that the customer can move, they can move through the process and be able to be successful. So here's what I know. On my offer, I know that coming up with 120,000 bucks or 160,000 bucks before you make a dime is like stupid. That is a hurdle. That is a big sauce problem that's going to make somebody go, whoa, what just happened to me? And so here's what I come out with. This is where I step into it and I say, look, Mike, what, how do you create an irresistible offer? What is it? And so when somebody gets, when somebody gets a franchise from me, here's what they're going to get. So you're going to get the franchise right up front. This is valued at $50,000. Like just having a franchise, having a plug and play model that allows you to go. So you're going to have a franchise that's valued 50,000 bucks. The next thing is, is you're going to need a contractor's license. You cannot go out and start doing construction without actually having a contractor's license. I've got those licenses in place. I am going to take and provide those licenses to you. I do not want you sitting around not making a dime because you do not have a license. We're closing that gap. I got the license. Boom. You can now execute. Okay, you got contractor's license. Boom. Solar financing. I know that you need a vehicle to be able to fund the construction of projects. You go out and generate a sell. Like the last thing you want to do is re reach deep into your checking account and go buy all of the materials to be able to go put these materials in this on this customer's house, right? Because I just I'm making it so that you can like I want your risk to be low and I want you to have the ability to move forward. Okay. One of the challenges of getting your hands on solar financing is the finance companies require you to generate $2.5 million in sales cash base before they're willing to talk to you. Okay. It, it's like a chicken and egg. How do I generate sales without financing? Good question. Well, if you don't do it, then you can't get the financing. It's a chicken and egg problem. So we're saying, look, don't worry about it. You know, I already know that you just started your, starting your journey on the franchise. You do not have to come up with $2.5 million in sales to get financed. We're going to provide that to you. That is valued at 50000 bucks. So look at the value coming along so far. Franchise, you got a franchise. Boom, $50,000. Contractor's license. You don't have to go get these guys directly in your payroll right here, right now. Because if you did, 
you would be spending, 150,000 might be at the low end, okay? These electricians, you could get a single electrician with a license making 150,000 bucks. And that's not the only license you need, okay? So $150,000, you're up to $200,000 of value because we closed this gap. Number three, the solar financing valued at 50,000. Okay, you're now in my value. You're now up to $200,000 of value because you've got access to this financing. You don't have to sit there and spin your wheels. You're like, cool, Mike, got license, got all this stuff. What else do you need? You need a way to get this stuff installed. So if you were to go get all of your installers and staff up so that you could start pumping out installations, you'd need, you need $150,000 worth of installers on your payroll. Boom, don't worry about it. Already got it taken care of. With your franchise, we've got the installers in place. Plug and play. We're going to make it so that you can start closing deals. Boom, shakalaka. Okay, next thing you're going to go, Mike, who's going to handle the day-to-day -day operations? Who's going to take and do my engineering? Who's going to help me do my design? Who's going to be able to help move the projects through the engineering and construction process? You need an operations team. That guy on your, those guys on your staff would run you another 150,000 bucks. See what's happening? You're like up right up till now. You're up to 200,000, 250 plus another 150,000, so you're up to 400, no? 250. Yeah, you're up to 400,000. Now I just brought the uh, the operations team, so 400,000 you went up to uh 5.5 550,000 bucks. Okay. Now you've got to get some accounting. You've got to get somebody that tracks your books, helps you measure, benchmark, keep track of they call it key performance indicators. Like what it really comes down to is anything that you measure, you can grow. And somebody has got to be responsible for being able to measure. And it's not just measuring anything. You've got to be able to measure the correct stuff. Measuring the correct stuff gets you the correct outputs. If you measure the wrong thing, you're going to have the wrong thing. Okay? So you got to get accounting. Boom. You got accounting inside this thing. The value is stacking up. We're up to about 600000 If you were to go out and accomplish absolutely everything that I said, you probably would be pumping out 600000 bucks. Okay? Now, you'd be, you'd be like, Mike, that is legit. Okay? I, I'm not stopping there. Remember, an irresistible offer is an offer that's so good that you're like, shut up and take my money. So here's what I'm throwing out here as far as bonuses. You want to be able to create and to drive sales. I'm going to help you do it. I have biannual sales recruiting events. I'm giving you two tickets to come to these events where we can get work on staffing you up. These are events where you're not going to be writing a check or anything. It's like, boom, come to this event. We're going to work with you. Boom, here's your staff. Here's sales guys. Here's guys so that we can immediately put revenue in your business. My primary focus, when I say contractor, what is my goal? My goal is to have you have spending like almost zero money up front because I want you to start driving sales and growing your business so that we can generate and make a legit solar franchise that allows you as the owner to kill it and to crush it. So we're doing recurring events. We're pulling people inside you. Now, one of the next gaps you're going to say is, Mike, what do I, how do I sell it? How do I pitch it? What is it? I've got it. I've got your pitch deck, okay? I'm including the pitch deck. This sucker is worth 100000 bucks. Why is it worth so much? It's just a pitch deck. Because it's the magic. It's the magic that allows people to say yes. 
How, how would you like to have a whole bunch of customers say yes to your offer? You would love that, wouldn't you? You need the magic. You need the magic. So that, the pitch deck, and the training I'll show you is worth 100,000 bucks. The biannual sales event, I probably underestimated this. I put it at 100,000. But if you go get, if we put some alpha beasts on your team so that you can legitimately grow your business, that is valuable. Like, it's worth way in excess of 100000 This is what's going to cause, this is the octane that will make your car move like lightning fast. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, this offer is getting pretty stacked, okay? One thing I know you're going to want, you're going to want marketing content. Do you want to go spend a whole bunch of time and money and effort and energies trying to figure out what works? Or would you rather I just showed you what works so that you could plug and play and start making the little machine pump out cash. That's right. See what I'm talking about? The next gap. I, I'm thinking of what's the gap a contractor would have and, and, and that would cause him to say, wait a minute, I don't know how to do this. Okay, so bonus number four. Actually, so giving you the marketing content, I put it at value of 30,000 bucks. Probably well, way understated because all it's got to do is just generate a few sales for you and like it paid for itself big time but I'm giving it to you as a bonus in this thing. Bonus number four, you're gonna need business processes, softwares, and tools. You're gonna need all that. If you go out and you get all of this stuff in place, you're gonna spend a ton of money. Like, I don't know if you've ever bought into it. Like, some of these software programs that you would need are $2,000 a month. Just, and that's one program to help manage your projects. You'd be spending $24,000 a year on software alone. Which tells me that I valued this at 20 grand that I'm, I'm way understated. The fact that you get this stuff plus more is worth way in excess of 20 grand. But I'm putting it in there as a bonus because I don't want you going out spending a crap ton of money getting this stuff because I'm bringing it to the table so that you can accelerate what you're doing. So access to sales leads is we generate marketing. And as we do this, and these, like, we generate leads in your area. You get access to these leads. Why? Because we want you to close deals in your area. We want to see you succeed. This is what we're doing to bring you more value. Now, as soon as you step into, I put that at 30000 bucks. Way understated. Um, and I, I say it's understated because the value it would bring to, your, bring to the table in generating profitability and wealth for you is, is far in excess of 30 grand. 30 grand is just, a, it's, it's peanuts compared to it. Okay, Solar Lord's training. You've come into the franchise. You've now entered the space of becoming and being a Solar Lord. When you do that, we're going to spend time with you making sure that your business is not just growing, it's accelerating. We're like, our goal is not to help you be successful. Our goal is to put you into the millionaire club. The millionaire club. I have a club that's called the Alpha millionaire club uh actually i think it's the alphas millionaire club it's got an s on it. the alphas millionaire club why because see those rewards right there on the wall boom shakalaka our goal is to get you to the million dollar mark our goal is to push you through to the 10 million dollar mark when you hit the 10 million i'm going to take and push you through to the 25 and 50 and 75 and 100 million dollar mark the idea is to make you stupid wealthy like, if you don't want to be stupid wealthy, that's fine. We're going to take people with you and help people inside your company prosper. But we're going to create major value for you. Okay, so 
solar load training and put it at $100,000 value because it's going to be fueled to make your machine go faster. So bonus number seven, you're going to want, you're going to want a website. Now you could go hire a web designer. You could pay them 60,000 bucks to build this thing out. You could go hire somebody from Singapore and they would spend $1,500 building something out. But a website that doesn't convert and doesn't allow people to discover you is probably a website that doesn't do much at all. You see what I'm saying? So the big idea is we're going to help you with the website, $30,000 value. And then here's the number eight. This is the big ticket kicker. You've got to be crazy. I've got a six-month money-back guarantee. And you're like, what? Like, look, the, the big idea here is we're going to help you make money. If we don't make money, we don't want your money. Now you say, Mike, all right, so now that you've shown me this whole thing, that's like stupid. I valued everything that we're bringing to the table. As I went through it, and you heard me talk the numbers, you heard me say the numbers, I had this valued at 1.1 million bucks. The franchise is 50,000 bucks. Having contractors, the actual licenses that allow you to grow, $150,000. The solar financing, having cash up front, meaning you do not have to pull money out of your pocket to do a solar project because the, the financing is already in place to allow you to move forward. So solar financing, value of 50,000 bucks. The installation team, you don't have to go hire installation teams. We're going to help you build all this stuff out because in the end, I want you fully operational like a franchise. But I'm making it easy to get in the door. I've got those guys in place. We're all, they're already on staff. They're already there. We're already, we already have them. So we're going to allow you just plug into the thing. That's a $150,000 value. Operations team. The operation team's in place. $150,000 value. Don't worry about that. Let's get your business going. Accounting. You've got your accounting and your, uh, your key performance indicators, KPIs, your measurements. $70,000. It's in place for you. Okay. Bonuses. We're going to do a sales rep recruiting event valued at $100,000. Are you seeing this? As I'm going through this, the main thing is to observe that this is an irresistible offer, which allows you to say yes. And I've got a big nugget here at the end that I'll share with you that will make it so you can... Like saying yes, it would be stupid not to say yes, okay? Um, recruiting event. I got two recruiting events, $100,000 value. We're going to put some studs on your team, some alphas, okay? Bonus number two, a training and pitch deck. We're at a, that's valued at $100,000. That's the secret sauce that allows you to sell. Access to marketing content, valued at $30,000. Business process, software, and tools, valued at $20,000. Access to sales leads, $30,000 value. Solar Lords training, where we get you up to speed, $100,000 value. Alpha Powered Home website, we're going to plug you in, $30,000. You got to be crazy, six-month money-back guarantee, $100,000. Why, why do I show that that being so valuable? Because it's more than what I would probably charge you for your franchise. But because I'm going to be putting so much time and effort into you, it is not free for me to bring you up to speed, to make you a stud, okay? That's, but that's what we're bringing. So $1.1 million is the value of what we got. Now you say, Mike, like who would pay that much money to get into a solar company, okay? Let's bump it up. Let's go back and let's take a look, see what's happened in the marketplace. You guys recognize the name of uh, Elon Musk, 
How much did Elon Musk pay to acquire Solar City? Good question, right? Elon Musk paid $2.6 billion to acquire Solar City. Yes, it had a pile of assets. He paid $2.6 billion to acquire Solar City. How much did Sunrun pay to acquire Vivid? $3.2 billion to acquire Vivid. Okay, that's what he paid. There's another company local, Solsius. How much did Sunworks pay in cash to acquire Solsius? 51.8 million bucks. They paid it. Why? Because they had the resources and assets in place that I have just shared with you in my irresistible offer. Now you say, okay, cool. Now I'm starting to see some of it. Okay, I want you to be successful. So here's what we're going to do. There's not very many slots. I've only got three slots available um, for this upcoming one. I call, this The one I've got coming up right here, this is called the Solar Lord's Million Dollar Spring Launch. I've only got three franchises available to get this. Okay, so what's the clincher? What is it that allows you to have a completely irresistible offer? So far, it's great, right? You can get this. You don't actually have to pull out a $50,000 check, okay? I'll just finance it up front. You can pay this out over the next six months. You just make your monthly payments. What that means is you can generate the cash on a monthly basis to earn paying for your franchise. And during that window, I'm going to spend time with you getting you in place where you actually have your own contractor's licenses. We're going to work on getting the staff, but I am not going to have you sit around not doing anything, going broke, by pumping out tons of cash. I want you to be able to be successful. And the easiest way to be successful is to start bringing money in immediately. That, that's my drop mic. That's my irresistible offer. If you take a look at what this is versus how my friend presented his, he's he's telling you you're going to roll into his thing at a hundred and like it, it's it's more than that, right? It's more than that because he's you've got to put staff in place. So by the time you get done putting staff in place, like you might you don't have any sales, but you got staff in place that that are drawing paychecks. That means you're digging a hole faster than you want to. And you've got to figure out how to sell your way out. I'm saying screw that. Let's close every one of those gaps and allow you to start moving forward on sales. And then we will backfill it so that you operate a profitable business day one instead of trying to dig out of a hole in six months from now or whatever it is to, to be able to get unearthed enough to be able to allow you to move forward. Like, that, like that's the difference. That, that's what I'm talking about. That's why I was sharing this thing with you so that you could step back and say, okay, how do I know if I should go all in? That, so we'll, we'll do a refresh on those secrets. How should I know if I should go all in? Well, is the market growing? At least, the only thing it can't do is be dying. So is it growing? That's secret number one. Two, are there people in the marketplace that are being profitable? I showed you, showed you in solar, like $3 billion, $2.6 billion, like huge sales of solar companies are transpiring. People don't buy or spend money like that for things that don't have value. See what I'm saying? So there's profits inside the marketplace. And then you have to ask yourself, what can I do inside this marketplace that puts me in an ocean of one? Like if you look at the solar market, there's the good thing is, is there's so much demand and there's such a shortage of solar guys doing it that it, it's okay that it's almost a little bit bloody because it's not completely bloody. There's still blue. Now from here, 
you can carve out your own marketplace, which is where I'm going into and doing franchises, and I'm making it so you could say yes easily. I'm building my own blue ocean. See what I'm saying? That is how you take and use the three secrets to slay it. That's how you know if you should lean in, go in, go in all the way because you're going to kill. That is another Rags to Riches Secrets. And I will talk to you.